Thank you very much, Karen, for ministering in music. <clears throat> the one that she sang about is the one that we can trust, the one that we can display faith in. In the midst of dealing with a series, a short series on the church, the body of Christ, what I was going to share this morning, I'm going to share next Sunday morning, we're going to go to the chapter after what I was going to share this morning and go to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, the longer you've been in ministry, the more sermons you have that you want to preach. Hebrews 11 is one that's been in my mind for quite a while. And there's dozens of others that I'll probably never get to in this life. But Hebrews chapter 11 deals with faith. We're going to read verses 1 through 6 together, and then we'll go back and look at some earlier verses in the book of Hebrews. And I'm making not a very profound statement when I say this, but when you get to chapter 11, chapter 11 comes after 10 chapters of Christ and who he is. And in light of that, he talks about faith. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now let's go back to chapter 1 and verse 1, beginning with verse 1. Hebrews 1 and verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. God speaking through Christ. Go over to chapter 2 and verse 14. Chapter 2 and verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, that is Christ, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. <clears throat> Hebrews 11 is talking about faith in God. In chapter 1, he talks about Christ. 
God revealing himself in Christ, Christ creating the universe. Here in chapter 2, children have flesh and blood. He, Christ, shared in their humanity. In verse 17, for this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Now, when you think about God and who he is, think about his coming among us in the person of Christ. <coughs> Having been to missionary or uh, to mission fields over the years, I've noticed that some missionaries come and live among the people, and then there are other missionaries that live in the country. There's a marked difference. Those that come and live among the people, live like the people, as the people, adopting the customs of the people, and eat what the people eat, and so on. Then there's others that go and live in the country. They live steps above the average person in the country, living in different homes, driving different vehicles, and so on. Hebrews 2 is saying that Christ was made like his brothers in every way. Christ was fully human and fully God. He tabernacled among humans. Go over to chapter 9 of Hebrews. As he goes through Hebrews, saying that Christ is better than the angels, better than Moses, better than the prophets, better than the Old Testament sacrifices. In chapter 9, in verse 27, he says, Just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Notice in verse 28, Christ was sacrificed once. Look at chapter 10 and verse 11. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. One sacrifice for sins in verse 12. One sacrifice in verse 14. Then in chapter 11, he talks about faith. As we think about faith and we think about honoring God, walking in faith and dependency upon God, please understand that that comes in the context of God revealing himself in the person of Christ, coming among us, Tabernacling among humans, taking upon himself human form. So that the love that God talks about elsewhere in Scripture was evidenced in Christ. Why can there be faith? Because of what Christ demonstrated in Hebrews 1 through 10. So in chapter 11 and verse 1, now faith is being sure of what we hope for. What is faith? 
Faith is taking God at his word. Faith is dependency. It's just simply trusting. There's not that argument. There's not a demanding of proof. It takes God at his word. It takes God for who he is and responds to it. And remember when our kids are little or were smaller, I don't remember which ones, you know, I would set them on top of the refrigerator and I'd say, jump. Not one time when the kids were younger did they say, Dad, can you catch me? Now I'm getting bigger, I'm not sure you can hold me. They had faith, they just jumped. Now, if I were to take any of them today and have them crawl up in the refrigerator and say, jump, I'll catch you, they probably would say, Dad, I'm not so sure about this. Faith. Keep in mind, when we get to Hebrews 11, that God has revealed himself in Christ. He's not asking for faith in a person that is not known. It's faith in a person that has been already revealed. Faith, this trust, this confidence, this dependency is being sure of what we hope for. What do we hope for? In chapter 9 and chapter 10, we hope for an eternity with God. We hope for living free from sin. We hope to be delivered from this present evil world. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. We hope for something. We expect something certain of what we do not see. That's why it's faith. This is what the ancients were commended for, and he will list them in just a few moments. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. You say, how do you know the universe was created by God? God said so. Will you say, prove it? God said so. Well, if you don't prove it to me, I won't accept it. God said so. Now, there may be evidence for creation, but it's still an issue of faith. By faith, we understand the universe was formed at God's command. God created it. How do we know? God said so. It's not all our reasons. It's faith. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Apparently, Abel accepted what God had instructed concerning sacrifice. He brought what he was supposed to with the attitude of heart that he was supposed to, and he offered a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, he's commended as a righteous man, and he still speaks. The same is true of Enoch. By faith, when taken from this life so that he did not experience death, he could not be found because God had taken him away. Faith. Then in verse 6, he makes an interesting statement. 
And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith. It's not an issue of explanations. It's not an issue of reasonings. It's an issue of trust or dependency. See, faith acts even though the end cannot be seen. Because faith is in a person. The person here is God. In verse 7, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Now imagine you were living in Noah's day and God comes along and says, Noah, I want you to build this boat. And he gives him the dimensions. I think if I'm recalling correctly, some three football fields long. Three stories high. And Noah says, hey God, what's the boat for? There wasn't any questions according to the text. Genesis would seem to imply quite strongly that by this time it had not rained. What do you need a boat for if there's no rain? By faith. But God, there's no but God. By faith. By faith. Apparently Noah had been walking with God. He knew God. So when God says, build this ark, he acted. Because there was a dependency, there was confidence in a person. So by faith, he built an ark to save his family, and he condemned the world. But it's by faith. Now, God, you want me to build this boat, yeah? How big? How long is this going to take? By faith. Now, stop and think about faith in our daily lives. So in James 1, James says, and in Romans 5, Paul says, when we go through trials, we're to rejoice. Now, God, if I rejoice, what's the end? Faith doesn't demand an explanation. Faith is in a person and responds. Years ago, there was a family who was missionaries in Africa. And they were... the. One of the sons and the father was walking through a jungle path. And the son was in front of the father some distance. And the father said 
to the sun. Run. And the son ran. Later on, the father said, I told you to run because there was a snake coming out of the tree, hanging above you and was going to bite you. The son acted on what the father said without question and ran. That's faith. But why? Faith. By faith, in verse 8, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. So tomorrow morning, uh, Chip gets a call and Chip answers the phone and Chip says, hello. Chip, this is God. I want you to get in your set of wheels with your wife at nine o'clock this morning and start traveling. Where do you want me to go, God? I'll show you. Anyone else supposed to go with me? No, just you and your wife. You say nine o'clock this morning? Yep. I think you might battle with that. When called to a place, he would later receive it as inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, taking God at his word and not arguing with God, just acting. But God, you know, there's confidence, there's faith in the person. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs of the same promise. What are they looking for? A city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. But faith. By faith in verse 11, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, And he, as good as dead, came descendants numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And we know that Abraham and Sarah had some issues along the way. You know, they struggled at times. We know that Ishmael came along, you know, because of Sarah making a suggestion and Abraham responding to it. He says, by faith. I can imagine calling mom tonight and said, say, mom, she's going to turn 90 in August. Hey, mom, I have orders from God that you're to marry a 99-year-old man. 
And next year at this time, you're going to have a baby. She'd probably say, Dan, you're crazy. How old was Abraham when Isaac was born? A hundred? Sarah? I think 90, if I'm recalling correctly. By faith, even though he was past age, and by the way, Abraham had other children after, after Isaac also, you know, by another wife after Sarah died. And Sarah herself was barren, was entitled to become a father. Do you ever wonder why God does things the way he does? Here's Sarah. She's barren. She doesn't have any children. She's an old woman. She's beyond childbearing years. Abraham, an old man. Ever consider that sometimes God waits to respond where we say there is no hope and we have to trust in Him? We humans want it now. That's what happened. Sarah got impatient. Here's my handmaid, Hagar, have a child by her. And God clearly states in Genesis, this isn't your promised son. And he waits years before Isaac comes along. Why? Faith. It's of God. And then you think through his son Isaac. You think of the Jewish people today. Descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And remember, Ishmael was not the promised son. Isaac was. In verse 13, by, or all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. They died not having received the things promised. They lived as aliens and strangers. See, they weren't home. You're a citizen of heaven. You don't get everything here because you're not home. You're passing through this world as an alien, as a stranger. Looking for a country of their own that is beyond this earth. Are you willing to die with unfulfilled promises because you're looking to the Lord? Years ago, there was a missionary, and this is back in the days when you traveled by boat. You didn't get on a plane, and you're there in a few hours or within a day. 
an older missionary couple that had served and invested their life in Africa. They had basically no retirement as many people want to have today. And it so happened as they came across the Atlantic and were coming into New York City, they were on the same ship that Teddy Roosevelt, who went to Africa many times to hunt, was on. And there was a tremendous amount of attention being given to Teddy and people just fell all over him. And the husband complained to his wife, what is this? I've invested my life. We've invested our lives in serving the Lord in a foreign country. And we have done without. We've been deprived. And we come home and no one even knows us. And the wife just listened to his whining and complaining. They come in to New York City and there's all kinds of people there to welcome Teddy as he gets off the ship. The old couple get off the ship with no one to meet them, not a single person. They found a rundown apartment in New York City. And one day the husband was talking to his wife again, just saying, what is this? We've invested our lives for God in a foreign country to tell people about Christ. We've done with that. We've been deprived. We come home, and there's no one here to greet us. We take an apartment, and there's nothing. And his wife, being a good helper, said to her husband, please remember, Teddy came home. We're not home yet. People of faith are not consumed with this world. We live in it. We process it. But we're looking for something better. God, why all this pain and suffering? Fix me. You won't get fixed totally on this side of heaven because you're not home yet. God, I have all these relational difficulties. Why? You're an alien and stranger. You're going to have them. You're not home yet. God, I just never seem to arrive. Things just never seem to work out. I plan and plan, and then something happens to my plan. You're not home yet. God, I poured life into my kids, and I... Attempted to train them well, and they don't always respond the way I want. I thought when my kids grew up, you know, I'd be done with my kids. And that doesn't happen. You're not home yet. Just take me at my word. Obey me today. Faith. In Hebrews 11, and goes on and gives the example of Abraham offering his son Isaac. Isaac blessing Jacob, along with other examples. And then in 32 through the end of the chapter, he talks about people who conquered kingdoms. He talks about people who quenched flames. Talks about people who were raised to life. Talks about people who were jeered and flogged and 
stoned and sawn in two. But in verse 39, he says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for them so that only together with us would they be made perfect. There's more to life than this life. And when he says in chapter 12 and verse 1, therefore we, since we're surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, I think he's talking about the people in chapter 11. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And I think in light of the flow of the context, the sin that so easily entangles is a lack of faith. That's why people become bitter. That's why people give up and quit. Faith looks to God, taking them at his word, knowing his promises, and responds in light of that. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. One of the greatest legacies a parent, a grandparent, a believer can leave is living by faith. Remaining faithful to God until you leave this foreign planet and to go home to be with God. Faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself When you talk about faith, it's not faith in someone who has not been known. You revealed yourself to Adam. You revealed yourself to Cain. You revealed, or to Abel rather, you revealed yourself to Noah, Abraham. And you revealed yourself so very fully in the person of Christ. May we be a people of faith. Take it your word, not demanding all kinds of explanations, but simply acting on your word. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen.